Hey guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends get drunk and talk about gruesome murders. Each week we pick a different drink whose name or ingredients set the tone for our stories. Hey guys, alright, so this week's episode we decided to do tequila sunrises. We had to take a couple highball glasses and we filled them with ice. We didn't make enough ice, so make sure you have enough ice to fill the glass. Key, key point. Um, it looked kind of dinky without it filled to the top. Yeah. Um, but then you do, and then we did one and a half ounces of Blanco tequila, and then we did four ounces of orange juice. We stirred that up with a nice long mixing spoon. Very technical, very fancy. And then we took that spoon and we poured a half ounce of grenadine over the spoon so it cascaded down the sides of the glass and actually did a sunrise effect. So like That's how they do it. Yeah. So it was like this red color coming up through the orange. It was really pretty. And then we garnished it with an orange slice and... Here we go. Maraschino cherry. <laughs> I've had a hard time saying that today. Maraschino. <laughs> um, which we both have not eaten because we think they're gross. Yeah, I didn't want them to begin with and I made you get them. Yeah. I, I mean, feel like I like to challenge myself with stuff I don't like and I'm never happy about it, but I feel like it makes me a bigger person. Case in point, this whole day. Let's do shots. Let's do... <laughs> Um, But then we made a second glass. Uh, We essentially did the same thing, but this time we went... Reposado. But we did two shots this time, two ounces. Um, Oh, and then we did a shot on the side. Yeah. With sea salt, with pink Himalayan <laughs> yeah. sea salt. We had no lime. We tried with a wet, with a orange. Or orange. Oh, don't. That is not, don't do that. Don't do shots with oranges. Yeah, you need lime. Unless you do it with cinnamon and orange, which I've had before. And which I, I don't, that's like people saying, have a pickle after a vodka shot. No, no, Those no. Those people are crazy. It's a pickle back, and you do it with Jameson. Ew. <laughs> that makes it worse than after vodka. What? Because Jameson is just delicious anyway. So now I'm eating a gross pickle after I just had a, a tasty Irish whiskey. Okay, so it sounds like you don't like pickles. I don't like pickles. And you don't like tomatoes. No. I don't like j- juicy, uh, bad flavored juicy things. Okay. Like tomatoes. <laughs> tomatoes just taste like dirt water. Why would I put dirt water on a delicious cheeseburger or sand like get out of here dirt water i was cool without you i don't need you i don't need you yeah and then pickles that's not even that's not dirt water pickles i don't even you know how people get upset about grapefruit and they say that it's poison yeah that's how i feel about pickles <laughs> i love grapefruit i feel like that's a juicy delicious a juicy delicious but, but pickles <laughs> a juicy delicious i don't care for pickles oh gosh i'm glad that you feel so strongly about <laughs> yeah it. i feel like everything i I don't have any feelings about anything that are just middle of the road. No, no, no. Yeah. It is here or there. <laughs> awesome. Well, there you go. That's our drink. <laughs> that's our drink. Yeah. That's the tequila sunrise. All right. So I will go first. My story. Oh, by the way. Oh. This is Drea. <laughs> this is Jackie. We forget every single episode <laughs> to introduce ourselves. Oh, and this is Killer Cocktails. <laughs> We, we have the intro. We're just sitting here because oh, got we're it, professional got it. and it happens without us. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> oh, and by the way, if you want to see the video of us attempting to make these drinks, head yeah. over to our Instagram at Killer Cocktails Podcast. Sweet. Uh, Selena Quintanilla Perez, by most people just known as Selena. <gasps> Selena. <laughs> oh, you're going to watch this movie and you're going to love it. So I feel like part of... The movie came out in 1997. Okay. And I don't know when the behind the music came out, if it was before or after. I'm going to say probably around the same time. And I was a real behind the music junkie and I loved that show. And then I was like, who's this musical artist I've never heard of? And now she's dead and now I'm, and I'm sad, but I went out and I bought, you know, Selena number ones or whatever. And that is my straight up, it's a nice day out. Like I will not play it if it's not sunny. Yeah. That is like beautiful weather. All the windows down in your car. It is whipping around in there. I That's a good day. Aww. If you're listening to Selena, you're having a fantastic day. That's that's so cute. Yeah. So, 
but you uh, like came across but, oh, her yeah. when she's so, already yeah, passed. But I feel like I, I feel like you're just young enough that you missed it. That mm. you missed when it was a thing because for a lot of Americans uh, or Americans that weren't a part of the Latino community, they didn't really know about Selena when she was alive. They found out about her after she had passed, Got it. which was late nineties. So I feel like you missed that little wave of everyone learning about her. You're probably just a kid. Yeah. Oh, I'll be baby. I mean, I was still a kid, but I was, how old was I then? I don't know. Middle math. school? Math? I was probably yeah. middle school. I don't like doing head math. <laughs> so, uh, Selena was born in 1971 in Lake Jackson, Texas. Uh, her father is Abraham. Her mother is Marcella. She's a completely Texan American kid. Doesn't speak Spanish. Doesn't know how to speak Spanish. Uh, her dad, Abraham, he had a background in music. When he was a young man, he was in a doo-wop group. What? Which. That's amazing. Yeah. Does he have he, a mustache? I feel like there's a mustache involved, but you'd have to go back and Okay, check. look it up. Okay. Yeah. He's got some really great amber-tinted glasses, though. Ooh, I like Like, it. in all of the interviews with him, he's got these really solid glasses. Um, but it's him and his buddies, and at the time that that music would have been popular, people didn't want to hear it coming from a group of Mexican guys. Mm-hmm. And they had real kind of uh, a hard time breaking into the industry, and everyone was like, no, that's supposed to be, like, white kids singing white kid music. And he was like, but I loved, like... It was in his I soul. Loved the doo-wop. He oh. loved the do up, and he had to kind of like give up his dream and get no. a job. He worked in the oil industry, um, but music was in his soul. So now he's got these kids and a little Joe Jackson, but not Joe Jackson. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm gonna make my kids be in a band. So he buys them a bunch of instruments, and he's sharing his love of music with them. They just want to like play Nintendo and run around. They're not as into it as he is. Yeah, but slowly but surely, that you know, the rhythm's gonna get you, and. They got into it. Um, did they make a doo-wop band? They didn't make a doo-wop okay. band. They made, uh, so they were called Selena y Los Dinos, because his doo-wop group was the Los Dinos, I think. Oh. So he was, like, recycling and, like, giving a little bit of a callback to his musical past. Um, but they sang Tejano music. What's that? It's a blending of American music and Spanish music, so pretty much just... Mexican-Americans listen to Tejano. Okay. I feel like close to the border, like Mexico probably has some people into Tejano. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very much a like, if if you're Mexican in Texas, you would listen to Tejano. If you were up in Washington State, you would listen to Tejano. Mm-hmm. That was like what the Spanish radio stations would play. Okay, got it. Um, mostly male-dominated. Mostly male singers, male groups. Um, so... Abraham opens with his wife, Marcella, they open this, like, he leaves the oil industry and they open a little family restaurant. He's like, I really want, I want to run a restaurant. I think the kids can all, like, all, he built a little stage and he'd have them play. And and, like, he's like, we got to have a dance floor. I want people dancing. This is going to be a great little thing. Well, then the kind of oil bust of 1982 happens and then it's like, oh, I can't really run this restaurant here. So they move the family to Corpus Christi, Texas. Okay. And they're like, the kids, the band is the, is the show. This is what we're going to do. And they're relatively successful. Uh, enough so that in 1987, Selena wins the Tejano Music Awards Female Vocalist of the Year. Whoa. And so they start is... getting some mad attention. So is this televised? This is like a... That's... Someone yeah, got scouted. Probably on Telemundo. And That's it's amazing. a big deal. Yeah. So uh, she gets a record deal in 1989. Ooh. And it's it's still, I think, Selena y Los Dinos, but, like, Selena is the show. It's like Beyonce. Yeah. And what was it? What was it? You <laughs> no, can't remember? No, no. Destiny's Child? No, no. Ow. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, it's Diana and the Ross and the Supremes. I mean, it happens. Yep. You, some people just shine brighter than their group, and they're going to... Yeah. But, but her brother always played bass for her, her sister. They just kind of became the backup band, and yeah. Selena was the show, but it was still very much a family Family. Affair. Okay, yeah. that's awesome. Um, uh, at some point, uh, I, I can't, like, she has, there's a guitarist, she ends up marrying her guitarist, and it's kind of a really sweet little love story, and, yeah. like, the movie does a really great job of portraying it, um. The movie and, with, uh, J-Lo. With J-Lo. <laughs> uh, the behind the, like, anyway, any, you can tell in all the interviews, like, her husband was so stoked to have gotten Selena, and they were just, they were really cute together. Now I'll tell you about Yolanda Saldivar. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. Yolanda was an in-home nurse for terminal patients and a fan of Tejano music. 
Okay. Is uh, she with her her age? Background? I can't. She's a Mexican American. Okay. I she's older than Selena. Okay. She's older. I don't know how old. Younger than her parents, but older than Selena in the middle there somewhere. Um, she originally doesn't like Selena because Selena was up for Tejano Music Awards against some of her favorite solo artists and groups. Oh. And she's like, who's the Selena character? But then she goes to a Selena concert in San Antonio, Texas, and she's about it, about it. Yeah. She's like, oh man, this, she is a great singer. What a performer. I'm into it. I think she's got a couple of screws loose. She <laughs> decides that Selena's going to be her life. Okay. So she starts calling Selena's father. Oh. Multiple, like, because I think that's the only way to get a hold of her. Okay. Because she's... She doesn't have any sort of system set up. Yeah. I don't think she really that, has that's an That's essentially who's managing her. Yes, yeah. correct. So she's calling Abraham and she's like, there's no fan club. I want a Selena fan club. I want to run the fan club. And then finally he like meets her and he's like, cool, run the fan club. So Yolanda becomes the president of the Selena fan club in Corpus Christi, Texas or San Antonio, Texas. And the idea is that you would right away to the fan club you'd send a check for 22 bucks you'd get some merch you'd get a shirt that said selena on it um all the proceeds are supposed to go to charity mm-hmm. and uh you'd get like this is this shows how long ago this was this is like 90s uh you get notifications when concerts are going to be coming up <laughs> like uh via the, inter- snail mail. Like the internet's not really <laughs> okay. a thing like you got the leading edge on when stuff's gonna happen <laughs> being a part of the selena uh fan club so then, like, that's in, like, uh, early 1991-ish. Okay. So then by, like, mid to late... I was one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a baby. I was six. Okay. There you go. Still But again, I'm not hip to the Selena game yet. <laughs> uh, I'm living in San Diego just rollerblading around. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Rollerblades. Good. Oh, yeah. In, like, purple corduroy pants. Oh, yeah. Oh, the yeah. corduroy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that's in like, so by mid to late 1991, Selena and Yolanda have kind of become friends. Oh, so they, they actually get to meet. They finally meet. So she's running the, and she's doing a great job running. Yeah. Oh, She's doing a great job running this thing. Eventually she gets to meet her and and Selena's like, dude, I love Yolanda. She's really great. Because Yolanda is doing everything she can to impress her. Yeah. Uh, people will later say like, if Selena said jump, Yolanda jumped three times. It was... Selena was her life. Yeah. I like creepily I read that uh this is a grown lady mm-hmm. and like years into them being friends, she still had posters of Selena all over her room. She would have like, little like votive candles that she would light what? to her. She had a uh, like a library of videos and when if people went over to her house, she'd be like, "Let's watch these Selena videos." Oh no. Do you think Selena was ever like, oh, I'll stop by Yolanda? And she's like, no, no. No, no, but she, like, didn't think it was weird. And, like, there's parts of it where, like, the amount of adoration that that, uh, Yolanda had for her, there must be some, like, major ego stroking going on for Selena where it's, like, almost just blinded to the creepiness of it. Yeah. And just, like, loving that you have this, like, super fan friend, I guess. Do you think also she didn't? know a lot of people because she kind of grew up in this limelight. Yeah, like, yeah, maybe yeah. you just don't have those same connect. Like, all your friends are, it's your siblings, it's your bandmates, your yeah. husband was a bandmate. Like, it is, it's a small bubble. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. Oi. Um, okay, so now 1994 happens, uh, and, like, what I love is, like, the flip of this is, like, alternative music is huge. Yeah. So you've got this, like, Tejano thing growing for one culture, you've got, you know, grunge rock going on up in the Pacific Northwest. Okay, so 1994. Uh, Selena also is like super into fashion, like, mm. really into it, like makes her own outfits to wear on stage and to kind of diversify her portfolio. She's like, I'm going to open these boutiques. Ooh. So she opens two boutiques. She opens, I think one's in, I want to say San Antonio Corpus Christi tend to be like the two little cities for her, but uh, don't quote me on that. But in Texas somewhere, two boutiques and there's, um, there's like uh, beauty salons attached to them. So Abraham, they're like trying to figure out who's going to help Selena. Who's she's got? She's recording all this stuff. She's busy. She's touring. Uh, she kind of needs somebody to run these boutiques. Mm-hmm. Abraham, who like is hot and cold, he'll say that like she was part of the family and really trusted her, but then he'll also be like, I never trusted her. Abraham is the Abraham's the dad. Dad, yeah. And I feel like there's a little bit of like hindsight is twenty twenty, and you can uh, kind of say you always suspected, but their actions while it was all going on, Abraham was like, Hey, 
Yolanda's always around. She's like a member of the family. She's around for our birthdays. Mm-hmm. She does a great job running the fan club. And why not Yolanda? And Selena's like, I love Yolanda. Yeah, let's have her manage this. Lo-. So like, not just like, and this is a, she was a in-home nurse. So she's not a oh, manager. She does like a business experience background. Or retail yeah. experience or uh, anything like that. And not only are you not like, just like a supervisor manager of one location, like managing two locations. Jeez. And she doesn't do a great job off the bat. Weird. Um, <laughs> the staff really have a hard time with her. They think that she's totally two-faced, that she's super sweet to them whenever Selena's in the boutique. Mm-hmm. But if she's gone, she's just kind of this raving, raging, really oppressive uh, manager. Yeah. But Selena thinks she's doing a great job because she's kind of sucking up to her. And, like, all the numbers haven't really come in yet. So Yolanda becomes a registered agent for Selena. Okay. So she's running the fan club, she's running the boutiques, Mm -hmm. and she's become her agent. No. Oh, no. Um, She has access to bank accounts for the fan club and for the boutique. Oh, no. And she has an Amex card that's supposed to be for business use. She starts being a baller. She's getting, (laughs) like, uh, Lincoln Town cars to get places. She's taking people out to expensive dinners. She's just writing everything off and saying that it's a business expense. And she's just kind of living the life. Yeah. And no one's checking the books. Cause... No one's checking the books because she's running the books. Yeah. Ugh. So, uh, by the end of 1994, the boutique like can't cover its bills. She's spending all the money and not really managing the business, so it's not really bringing in what she's spending, and she's kind of spending outrageously. Um, staff are kind of going to Selena, and they're like, dude, Yolanda's a horrible manager, and she's... There's a hole in the bottom of the purse, man. Yeah. Um, and Selena's like, mm, and it doesn't really pay much mind to that. Then the staff start going to Abraham. They start going to her dad. They're like, Selena won't listen to us. Yolanda's gone off the deep end. Like, she's a terrible manager, and I, you know, something's up with the books. Uh, there's also this guy, Martin Gomez. So he was a fashion designer that would pair up with Selena. Mm-hmm. Kind of, he had the experience that she didn't have. So Martin and her are really good friends, and he's designing all the designs for the Selena brand in the boutique. And Martin and Yolanda do not get along. And Martin's like, he's very, uh, I imagine he's spent time in Miami. Is kind of, <laughs> it's like okay. how he comes across Perfect. in like anytime you see interviews with him. And he's just like, I love Selena, and Selena's great, and he seems like a relatively normal guy, but he's also kind of a fan-turned Help. So he's got his own little weirdnesses, too. Yeah. Um, but he and Yolanda are battling for Selena's attention. There can only be one super fan. Yes. Yeah. And everyone else is kind of like, ugh, Martin and Yolanda, like, those two. And they just kind of roll their eyes at them. And, like, both of them just love Selena too much. So then in 1995, so this is a year after the boutiques the and boutique, all that. Okay. Like, so now it's, like, less than a year Yolanda's had, like, a lot of power. Abraham, so Selena's dad, starts getting calls from angry fans. They're really upset that they've sent their money and not received anything in return. Oh, no. Now she's pocketing that. So he starts looking into the books, and in addition to all these people not getting what they were supposed to get, there's $60,000 of forged checks. No! Under, like, Selena's name? So Yolanda had opened the bank account in Yolanda's sister's name... And was forging her sister's signature on these stolen checks. Abraham goes to her and he's like, look, you're caught. I know what you're doing and confess. And she just kind of stares at him wide-eyed. Doesn't really say, I'm not doing that. Doesn't, just kind of is like, ah. Yeah. And he's kind of like, well, you're going to get canned. Come up with some proof that you haven't stolen the money. Yeah. And she leaves. So now things are awkward and uncomfortable, and she's not really fired. She still has access to things. She's still around, but people are kind of on to her. Uh, Selena gets involved, and she doesn't really do it much. She's kind of like, well, she's so integral to everything. Yeah. And it's like, she's, she's so blind it's like, to but it. But she's robbing you. Yeah. So Selena then, like, then other people are like, well, then she's saying she is going to fire her. She just, Yolanda has access, like, has physically so much of the records. Yeah. That Selena's kind of playing it. To get that back. To get that stuff. Okay. She really wants those papers. I was going to say, why, they couldn't call the police and, like, just. They could have. I mean, that would probably be the but better the way scandal to. Or... Yeah. yeah. Um, so then Yolanda gets replaced as the fan club president. This other lady Good. takes over. Yeah. <laughs> the very next day, Yolanda goes out and buys a gun. 
She tells the gun shop that uh, she, because she's a stay, she's an in-home nurse that some family that she's nursing for uh, that there's some threatening family members and she's like I don't feel comfortable at work I need a gun so she buys a gun then uh, Selena goes and meets with her uh, and is like I need the papers I need the papers uh, but doesn't fire doesn't do anything Mm -hmm. so then Yolanda goes back to the gun shop and returns the gun and she's like someone gave me another gun I don't need this gun anymore oh no returns the gun uh Selena approaches her again and she's like hey I know you're stealing from me and I need all this stuff Yolanda goes back and buys the gun again oh gee (laughs) what's her excuse ah never mind yeah I need need the gun turns out I do need it someone (laughs) wanted their gun back um, so then, then Yolanda's like starting to really un- uh, unravel. She calls a mutual, they have like a, a surgeon friend that's like a, like, I don't know how they know this guy, but he's a surgeon and Yolanda calls him and she's like, I got raped. Oh. And he's like, we'll come down to the hospital. Like he, they take it seriously. Yeah. Uh, then she calls Selena and she's like, Selena, we need to meet at this hotel. This happened when I was down in Mexico. I was trying to scout places because Selena's trying to open another boutique in Mexico. Yeah. Um, and so Selena goes and like meets with Yolanda. And it's like, you need to go to the hospital. They take her to the hospital, and Yolanda's story is changing. There's inconsistent statements. Um, she's saying, basically, they perform a, like a, a rape kit. Yeah. And they're kind of like, you weren't raped. And then Yolanda's like, well, I had a little bit of blood yesterday. And then Selena's, then like Selena's visibly upset. Mm. And she's like, you told me that there was copious amounts of blood. And now she's kind of starting to see, like, there's it's some lies. There's some yeah. crazy lies. Um so then uh, there's this, like, back and forth a couple different times of, like, I need to get these papers, come by this motel. There's a lot of motels involved. Okay. Yolanda will be at a motel, and, like, she needs to be seen at this certain time. At one point, uh, Selena and her husband go to the mo- go to this motel, and Chris stays in the car, and Selena goes in, and she gets all this paperwork, and Chris feels really nervous. He's in the car. He's like, eh, it's taking longer than it should. Like, do I need to go in there? And then Selena comes back out, and she's like, I got what we needed. Let's get out of here. Then they get home, and she's like, ah, fuck. It's missing. This isn't all the stuff I need. Yeah. So then she's talking to Yolanda again. She's like, all right. And then Chris goes, I really don't, like, let's let's quit doing it this way. Let's involve other people. Yeah. Um, was, Yolanda, was Yolanda, like, staying at the motels, or was she just... Maybe. At that part, I don't really... Because it's, like, I think different motels, too. I don't yeah, think it's yeah. like she's living at one motel. Weird. Because you'd think at this point Selena would have, like, an office or something. That, yeah. Yeah. But maybe, well, maybe she's been kicked out of wherever. Like, I don't know what the turmoil has uprooted yeah. from her getting in trouble. Um, or she spent all the money she had any money. Yeah, 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 that's you. <laughs> I, I mean, I think you have that money to stay at a motel, but anyway. So, unbeknownst to Chris, Selena had made a plan with Yolanda in the motel to meet the next morning. <sighs> so then, uh, Selena goes to the motel. She's supposed to go to a recording session that she forgot about. Mm. So then someone calls and they talk to Selena either her dad or Chris, I think it was Chris. And he's like, Hey, you're supposed to be at like Q studios. What's the deal? And she's like, ah, I'm meeting with Yolanda. I'm going to get the papers. I forgot about the session. I'll be there. And that's like the last time that they talk. So then, uh, Selena and Yolanda are in this motel room and they're arguing and they're arguing so loudly that other like patrons in the motel can hear. Oh jeez. Then there's a loud pop and, uh, what they think happened is that, uh, Selena went to dump Yolanda's purse to get the papers, mm-hmm. saw the gun, freaked, went to run, and Yolanda shot her in the back. Oh, jeez. So then uh, Yolanda will tell a different story later and say, I was suicidal, I had the gun in my head, she was trying to stop me, and I shot her. In the back. Yeah. Yeah. Because then uh, Selena was scared and went to leave, and Yolanda was telling her, don't leave, and like Pointing motioned with the with gun, the gun yeah. and shot her. Mm. Um... Anyway, so then Selena's been shot. She's running. She runs past the pool. She runs into the lobby. Oh, jeez. And she's telling everyone, like, I've been shot. I've been shot. And she's begging for help. And yeah. everyone's trying to help her. Yeah. Um, and then her, and then Yolanda comes out chasing her. No, with and the Yo- gun. And Yolanda like... is chasing her with the gun and yelling, bitch. I will interject my story here. Okay. And I will say, the first time I've ever called a person a bitch was about Yolanda Saldivar. No. <laughs> I had watched the Behind the Music, and I feel like 
that part of the story had been told and I feel I don't know if I said it just to myself or but I was just like oh, she's the bitch she, she's and it was the like bitch. the first time that word had come out of my mouth oh little Jackie a little Jackie first time I swore and then yeah and then I didn't really use the word to, and then I was telling the story to someone years later yeah and I still I didn't really swear and I was like oh that Yolanda she's such a bitch it's just <laughs> it just no, boils just your no blood no other way to put it Oh God! All right, interjection over. Yeah. Um, so are people are trying to okay. People are trying to people help. trying to save her. Are they trying so to get Yolanda bl- away? Just blood. Then Yolanda, once everyone's helping Selena, she's like ah, and then runs and gets in her truck. Okay. So uh, Selena's last words are Yolanda, room one fifty eight. Oh. Then she kind of like passes out. An ambulance gets there in one minute fifty five seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, they. There's just a lot of wounds. It hit a major artery. They get her to the hospital. There's was she shot multiple times? She was shot just... twice. Twice, okay. Uh, but it hit a major it, like, artery. Yeah. And, yeah, and essentially what they said is if it had been a millimeter higher or a millimeter lower, it would not have been like as deathly as fatal as it was. She was in a like a 50 minute long, like brutal surgery of just like they were they were taking every they went through they all tried legs, everything all measures to try yeah. and save her. Um, they couldn't get IV, like all of her veins had flattened out. She had no blood pressure, oh, like no. just, Poor thing. Uh, yeah. So then she dies. Okay. And it's sad. And, but meanwhile, so Yolanda, who's run away and she's gotten in her truck, the police got there super fast too. They block her in. So then she's like having this like crazy standoff with police and she's in this truck. She has this gun. Um, it's very, what people say. Reminiscent of the OJ standoff. <laughs> Here you go. Your OJ reference. There's my OJ for the episode. So, like, OJ running around his Bronco, yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah. he's got the gun to his head, and, uh, yeah. Yolanda's doing the same shit. Yeah. She's like, oh, I'm so suicidal. I've got this gun in my head. My friend. I can't believe my friend is dead. Yeah. And she's just... Over the top. M- manic. Yeah. And, like, just losing her goddamn mind. Um, the police... I don't know how they did this, but I thought this was kind of funny. The police uh, drained the gas out of her truck. <laughs> like, do you think they shot at it? And like, I don't know. Or, that or she like, was crazy at or this she's side, crazy and, and they're they... like, so, I don't know how they did it, <laughs> but I love the idea of a cop like crawling to the truck <laughs> while she's distracted. Yeah, and like, I know that's not how they did it, but I like imagine them having like a tube and it's going into the gas <laughs> yeah, tank like, and they're like, they just started. Oh no, I love it, and they're filling up. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Okay, so, so. she's uh, the standoff lasts nine hours. What? They can't take her down for nine hours? Nine hours this standoff goes on. They can't, like, shoot her shoot her in the foot? No, they eventually get her out. They go, they, like, put a shotgun to her, essentially, and she yeah. wigs and is like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, they arrest her. She's just, she's just indignant. The reason I get so bent out of shape about her, if you watch interviews, she's just this smug, um, nobody knows the truth. Nobody knows what was said between Selena and I that day, and I went there to protect her. People were uh, going to smear her with information, and I had that information, and I was discussing it with her. And uh, like, I, she's she's so delusional and insane. Yeah. And you know, you'll never know exactly what happened because she's incapable of telling the truth. She's got this whole cockamamie idea that there's. Uh, like secrets, either photos or something. Like she sent lawyers on a wild goose chase down to Mexico to like train station lockers, and like there's this whole elaborate for what for these secrets about Selena, like the reason Selena died, oh, and geez. it's it's just a bunch of hocus pocus, you know, distractionary whatever. Um, but yeah, she's in in jail. Will be in jail forever, and her family's crushed. And like when it came out, like it was. It was huge for the uh, Latin American population and Mexican Americans. It was, you know, they equated to like when John Lennon died to yeah. when, you know, it was really big and uh, it was kind of like their kind of up and coming print, you know, princess yeah. of sorts. Yeah. And Howard Stern mocked the murder. What? Mocked her burial. He mocked the people mourning her. Why? And he played her music uh, with gunshots added. Why? He didn't like it. He said, uh, this music does absolutely nothing for me. Alvin and the Chipmunks has more soul. Spanish people have the worst taste in music. They have no depth. What? And people 
wigged out Good, on they should. Yeah. Jesus. It was incredibly offensive. Uh, enough so that uh, what uh, after an arrest warrant for disorderly conduct was issued for him, Stor- uh, Stern made an on-air uh, statement in Spanish saying uh, his comments were not made to cause more anguish to her family, friends, and those who loved her. And everyone's like, Fuck you. That's yeah. not good enough. Texas retailers removed products related to Stern. Sears and McDonald's sent a letter expressing their disapproval of his comments. Good. Um, Tonight Show with Jay Leno, so his co-host Robin, Yeah. she was on there, and she was asked if Stern's uh, remarks about Selena were acceptable. And she kind of didn't want to talk about it, and she's kind of like avoiding it because she doesn't want to get into a fight with the Howard Stern either. Uh, pop singer Linda Ronstadt, um, who, who is of Mexican-American heritage, uh, was on the same show, and she argued with her about the comments that Stern had wow. made. And it, I guess just kind of fizzled out and everyone's just like Stern being Stern. But I read that and I just, that's, that's so wildly offensive. Yeah. For no, like. For anyone's death. Why? Like, why would you ever tell, say why? that about anyone? Yeah. Like, that's just inflammatory. That's just to be inflammatory. Yeah. Yeah. It Jeez. was crazy. Yeah. So there's, you know, and they've made, again, they've made, you know, a motion picture movie. There's documentaries. Uh, I encourage anyone like just her story is amazing it's a really cool you know i I really love her family and her music is like i said it's just a good i just love her music yeah oh wait so is yolanda okay yolanda is in jail she's in jail she she gives little prison interviews is she up for parole at all it's like i think she's locked up for good i don't think she gets parole but let's see uh because you know and some because i'm thinking oh texas texas probably Oh, Texas is... Oh, uh, George Bush was governor at the time. Oh, like and, senior? No, 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 uh, W. Oh, okay. So... W. <laughs> w was governor, and it was such a big, like, Texas thing that he said on Selena's birthday, he goes, That's, this is Selena Day. Oh. And then... And, like, he's a, he's a religious dude. Yeah. All the Christians got really upset because it happened that year to fall on Easter. Oh, okay. I'll everyone calm down. <laughs> Just... I was I was like, Tubya. <laughs> Tubya. <laughs> Sweet. All right. I see you. Uh, Saldivar's crime, so Yolanda Saldivar, uh, punishable by up to 99 years in prison and a $10,000 fine. <laughs> uh, she was under a suicide watch. Um, according to the Chicago Tribune, mm-hmm. the Selena murder trial's publicity rivaled that of the O.J. Simpson proceedings. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> O.J. That's it was two. a repeat of the Simpson circus. <laughs> yeah. Some people calling it the trial of the century. I think a lot of, like, I think a lot of it is where your culture falls. Yeah, Like, definitely. I definitely remember the O.J. Yeah. murder and more about it. Um, You're also older. Yeah. Yeah. But, if, but, you know, if I had been Mexican-American, I'm sure that oh, yeah, would okay. not have been nearly as prevalent or prominent in my life as, as Selena's. Let's see. She will be eligible for parole on March 30th, 2025. Ooh. Because of multiple internal death threats from incarcerated Selena fans. (laughs) Oh, my (laughs) Lord. Saldivar was placed in isolation and spends 23 hours a day alone in her nine by six feet cell. Damn. Well, she, I mean, she was already cuckoo. So that I... Ooh, what does that do to a person? I mean, that... Solitary you for... You can't... There's no way you could ever come out from that. How many years is that? 20 plus years? Yeah, because you're... Yeah, because then you go back... Not, yeah, I don't head math, but... Yeah. Sounds right. I'm 28, so yeah. That... Yeah. Wow. No. God, do you think she has Selena posters in her cell? <laughs> I would hope they don't let her have <laughs> Selena posters in her cell. Oh, Ugh. oh God. Damn, dude. And uh, that that's the the murder of Selena Quintanilla Perez. That ties in with the tequila? Yeah. Yeah. Tequila nice. Sunrise. Yeah. Tejano music. Yeah. I, love I would it. I would drink a tequila sunrise and I would listen, and listen to, to Selena. Selena. On a nice bitty, day. Bitty, bum, bum. <laughs> Chico del apartamento cinco doce. <laughs> oh. Oh yeah. Oh my god. So we were all getting ready for a wedding one time. Yeah. And I will tell you, Selena music is great getting ready to a wedding music. Multiple weddings getting ready. We will listen to Selena while we all, like, put on mascara and blow dry our hair. And we were getting ready one time. We're in a hotel room, and my buddy Griffin is there. And we're all singing Selena songs. And he, like, gets this, like, bewildered look like dogs are walking on their hind legs. 
And he goes, how do all of you know the words to the Spanish music? <laughs> and then we all turn and we're like, it's Selena. God. And then he goes, oh, I'm going to be honest with you. Selena ain't nothing but a movie to me. Oh. <laughs> Ain't nothing but a movie. Ain't nothing but a movie to me. And I was like, oh, you don't get it. You don't get it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's Selena. Next next sunny day, I gotta listen to her. Oh, you gotta. I'll burn you a CD. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, now we're gonna do my murder. Uh, again, Tequila Sunrise. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going with the tequila. Okay. Uh, mine is on Adolfo Costanzo. Mm. It ring any bells? No. Shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I went real obscure with this. <laughs> You're never going to guess it, kid. All right. So he was born in Miami, Florida. <laughs> I'm getting, just getting ready. <laughs> getting real comfortable. <laughs> um, his mother had him when she was 15 years old. Okay. And um, the mother eventually gets married to her first husband. And, you know, they kind of bond over being into black magic, uh, which is called <laughs> <laughs> Pal. Oh, God. Here we go. Paolo Myobi. My- Oh, you had it. I had it, and then I've been practicing it right before. Hello, my... Oh, yeah. My obby. My My obby. (laughs) Anywho, they're into black magic, Um, and this is actually uh, originated from the African Congo and said to be the world's most powerful and feared form of black magic. Hmm. So both parents, um, they thought Adolfo was the chosen one. Okay. As you do with they your just, first child. They just really lucked out. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, yeah. he's like the next Jesus. They happen to be really into black magic. They happen to have like, yeah, super yeah. kids. The stars are just aligning. Um, so that first husband dies. And she moves to San Juan, Puerto Mysteriously? Rico. Um, um, they don't say, but I have my own suspicions. She, she has a couple husbands coming up that die. Oh, so you, okay. You so can think what you want. Put an asterisk by it. Yeah. Uh, so first husband dies. She moves to San Juan, Puerto Rico and remarries. Um, while in San Juan, uh, Constanzo was baptized, Roman Catholic, and he served as an altar boy. So he's getting well-rounded. He has black magic. <laughs> he's learning about Roman Catholic okay. religion. Um, and his mother had a reputation for being a witch in town because anyone who angered her, um, the next day they were likely to get, like, a headless goat or chicken on their doorstep. What? Yeah. So, like, don't piss off Mama Costanzo. Um, Do they call her Mama Costanzo? I hope so. I think that's like a black magic thing. Mama. I don't, the only thing I know about black magic and hoodoo is from the movie The Skeleton Key. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good movie. I, <laughs> I, I really, it's a bad movie, but I Wait, really liked it's it. It's what's her face? Kate Hudson's Yeah. And what's his face? Uh, he's got a great name, but I can't remember what it is. I saw anyway. that when I was little. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um... Mama Costanza. Mama Costanza. Costanzo. There you go. The family, so um, they're doing great there, but they t- decide to move back to Miami in 1972, and uh, his stepfather dies, um, leaving the family with some money. Is 70s Miami, like, crazy? I think that's, like, cocaine. Yeah. Like, 70s New York marijuana. was nuts. Marijuana. I imagine <laughs> 70s Miami is crazy, too. It's just insane. Okay. Like, booty shorts. Cocaine. That's great. Rollerblades. <laughs> Rollerblades. They're blading everywhere. Um, I'll bet they're skating everywhere. Oh, they're skating the everywhere. <laughs> um, so his mother, again, remarries, and his new stepfather was also involved in the drug trade and black magic. So Ooh, this one's a real what winner. What catch. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Dolfo, uh, he starts getting into shoplifting. Uh, one time he was caught uh, trying to shoplift a chainsaw. How? I don't know. You have you have good saw stories. Yeah, there was yeah. that lady who put saws in cakes. We yeah. um, imagined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The hacksaw lady. Yeah, people get creative with saws. Stealing saws. We're gonna have to go to like a department store and see. Not actually steal one, but just try try to. You know, I, in my head, they're <laughs> this is really an interesting l- line of thought. <laughs> they're just they seem really large, and I'm very curious. They're very of where, large. Was he just confidently walking out with it? You know. That is half the battle. It's just yeah. act like you're supposed to be doing whatever you're doing. Yeah, exactly. So he's into shoplifting. He's into black magic. He drops out of junior college, which is high school. Is that what we call junior college? No, junior college is like community oh, college. Oh, like a junior. Oh, which I would do. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Uh, <laughs> I've been to a ton of junior colleges. The tequila's kicking in. Oh, man. Um, so his mother is believed. Oh, his mother believes that he is psychic. 
because he predicted the attempted assassination of Ronald Reagan in 1981. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so could you imagine he's like at the breakfast table with his mom, Mama Costanzo, and he's like, Mom, you know what's going to happen to Ronald Reagan? Someone's going to try to kill him. Okay. I'm curious. This feels like casting a wide net and getting lucky. Hmm. To guess that the president of, mm. like, if you're going to, if I'm going to guess assassinations, like, Jackie, guess who's going to be assassinated next? I'm going to guess president. Yeah. Because they're, they're, they're going to they're gonna have the most attempts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, So I feel like he threw a real wide net. And if he was like, I think today Ronald Reagan's going to get assassinated. He, yeah, and then like, he did. Like, okay, that's, ooh, spooky, spooky. But if he <laughs> says it in January and it happens in June. Of, like, three years later. You know. Yeah. Yeah, so nice you're not try Adolfo. You're not impressed. Adolfo? Adolfo. Okay. I said that word that time. <laughs> I changed it. Um, so um when he's a teenager, he befriends a Haitian um uh like dark magic priest, you know, as you do. Yeah. He's in the right circles for yeah. it. Oh yeah. And uh this guy taught him the skills necessary to be a drug dealer and a con artist. And um yeah, he was like, I'm gonna train you for a career of profiting from evil. So he has great role models in his life. So we're going to fast forward a little bit. Um, Costanzo is now an adult. Um, All this background. um, So he has all this great background of skills. Yeah. And he grows up to be a pretty attractive young man. Um, He actually gets a modeling gig in Mexico City in 1983. Hey, hey. And he spent his free time telling fortunes with tarot cards in the city's infamous Zona Rosa, which is the LGBTQ community. So, um, oh, and by the way, he's starting to realize that he's bisexual. Okay. Yeah. So Mexico City had a strong belief in um, magic, and even police working both sides of the border respected this magic. So they'd be on, like, the U.S. side, and, you know, they're very by the book and, like, you know, level-headed, I guess. And then once they cross that border, they put their cross, like, on their necklace, and they put that back on, and they respect the magic. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, Constanza's down there, he starts building reputation of, um, knowing how to predict the future, you know, the whole Ronald Reagan thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, he also starts offering ritual cleansing, cleansings for those who felt that they had been cursed by enemies. And so, this is when he meets two young men who become his servants, lovers, and disciples. Hmm. So, um, drug dealers are really drawn to him. Because they need that, like, black magic protection from police. Yeah, because they're living a real on-the-edge lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. And so um, he's like, okay, I'll do these rituals for you. I'll make sacrificial rituals. I'll sacrifice a goat or a small animal. Just like Mama taught him. Yeah, just like Mama and his first father, third father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) His, His really good friend. Um, and so for a price, he would be like, I will make your men invisible from police or I'll make them bulletproof from any like enemies. Yeah. And so he had like a sacrifice menu and he'd be like, all right, for a rooster, just pay me six bucks and I'll chop its head off and do this ritual. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, goats were $30. Boa constrictors, boa constrictors were four fifty. Um, how much do you think a zebra went for? Excuse me? Yeah. He had zebras. Where do you get zebras? (laughs) No idea. He's in Mexico? Yeah. Yeah. There's no zebras down there. There's no zebras down there. Well, there are now. Right now? No, well, he's sacrificing them. Okay. I thought you were trying to tell me that there was this, like... Well, you know when you go by, like, the Hearst Castle and there's, like, wild zebras out on the... Because they just let the zebras go? <laughs> They're native now. I'm, I mean, I'll accept it, but whew, a zebra. Okay, how much to sacrifice a zebra? Yeah, so... Uh, Boa Constrictor was $450? 450 Okay. Yeah. I mean, a cool G? Yeah, like a 1100 Hey! Yeah, the price is right, Jackie, come on <laughs> Closest without going over! All right, how about an African lion cub? Cub? Yeah. Simba, oh. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, oh. 1,500? 3,100. Okay, okay. Yeah. I was going to say two, and then I was like, oh, I don't know how difficult. But I feel like this this is pretty reasonably priced. I mean, how much does it cost to get a zebra to get, like, you know what I mean? To ship a zebra over and then is to he sacrifice? Kill- like, He's killing him. 
he's like they got to be live when they get there. He's yeah. paying for the live transportation yeah, yeah. of so these what, exotic what animals. What he does is he sets up this ritual and he gets more and more elaborate because he realizes they'll pay more and more. Well, the dollar was strong mm-hmm. in the 70s. So <laughs> <laughs> Um so yeah, he'll uh do this huge ritual and like kill that animal in front of everybody. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't and like he really did it. It wasn't like, yeah, I killed that zebra for you. Nope. Like you know you got your money's worth. No, no. Wait, what? You know, like, if, if I tell you, Drea, yeah. give me $1,000, mm-hmm. and I'm going to sacrifice this zebra. And then I call you up, and I'm like, deal's done. Sacrifice the zebra. All is good. Did you watch me sacrifice yeah, the yeah. zebra? Yeah, yeah. No, he's doing it in front of everybody. Okay, so they he know. Makes a like, big he's deal. really He's spraying blood everywhere. He's putting blood on everything. He has this blood cauldron. Oh, I'm going to get to the blood cauldron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, he's crazy. Okay. He's in the black magic. So he starts getting this huge following. So at least four members of the federal judicial complice uh, joined Costanza's cult in Mexico City. One of them was a commander in charge of narcotics investigations, and another was a retire- retired from the federales to the- to lead the Mexican branch of Interpol. So he has like high up there people. Yeah. Joined, like which you see a lot with cults. You see a lot of like high powered wealthy people. That I mean, pa- like money is power, and yeah. as you start gaining power and influence, you're yeah, you got to pay people off and yeah, get them to be a part of your cult. Like yeah, yeah. Ooh. So they start seeing Adolfo as like a minor god. They're just following him no matter what. So in 1986, he was introduced to drug dealing. Uh, uh, Casada family hmm. and Costanzo charmed them and became part of their family and by early 1987 he was able to pay $60,000 cash for a condominium in Mexico City and he also bought himself an $80,000 Mercedes Benz yeah so he's doing well with the large sacrifices um, <laughs> and then he also did his own like side scams he once posed as a DEA agent to rip off a coke dealer in Guadalajara Guadalajara. <laughs> oh, that's crafty. And he sold the stash to police contacts for a hundred grand. Oh my god. Yeah. And uh, Costanza began to feed his blood cauldron with the offering of human sacrifices because he was like, we gotta amp this up. Who's he sacrificing? Everyone. Like, enemies, friends, everyone. Ooh. So there's no final tally for his victims. Um, but there are at least 23 ritual murders that are well documented. Yeah. And then there was like many other unsolved mutilation slings around Mexico city that they believe were his doing. Whoa. Yeah. And so he was willing to torture and kill total strangers along with close friends, like I was saying, which made drug dealers trust and respect him more. Huh. And uh, Constanzo started to believe that his magical powers alone were responsible for the Casada's uh, family's continued success and survival. Yeah. So in April 1987, he was like, hey, you're, I'm the only reason why you're doing so well. Give me full partnership. I want 50-50 of everything. Yeah. And the family was like, oh, uh, no. Yeah. Like, respectfully, no. And uh, everyone was like, oh, Costanzo was totally fine with it. He just carried on with his uh, business. But then... Um, was it three months later, um, six members of that family went missing? Yeah, they did. Yeah. And uh, they started finding um, the bodies around town. And they were missing um, their toes, their organs, um, their ears, their hearts, um, their sex organs also. Mm -hmm. Um, The spines were ripped out and the brains were taken out. Um, And so they were putting them into this blood cauldron. And what they do is they take the best parts of people and... uh, put them in the blood cauldron to make it stronger. Okay. So, uh, I thought it was kind of funny that they took someone's penis because he had the best penis. <laughs> oh, it's... each, what you take from each person is yeah. different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You take the best part of that. <laughs> I thought it was just like the best part of the human, like the oh, best oh, cut oh, of the cow. Oh, no, no, oh. yeah. Yeah, so somebody had like the best eyes. They took oh, that and the funny. brain and then they... Somebody had a, a nice wang. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that all happened, and um, he's in the market for a new family. He needs another drug family. So he meets the Hernandez family. Okay. And uh, by the end of the month, um, he has also met this um, pretty young thing, Sarah. And she's 22 years old, and she has a Mexican nation- national and... Oh, she's a Mexican national with a resident alien status in the United States. Okay. So um, she comes home at night uh, to Mexico, but she's going to Brownsville, Texas for college. Whoa. Yeah. I know, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> and uh, so uh, Costanzo charms Sarah, and they um, start kind of like seeing each other. And he's like, you know, you're so special. And the reason why you're so special is because you share the same birthday as my mother. Uh, yeah, he's got mommy issues. Um, <laughs> but Sarah was already dating a guy named uh, Gilberto Souza, and he was already a drug smuggler in okay. Brownsville, so she already has yeah. kind of like that taste. And so, um, but eventually uh, Sarah couldn't, you know, resist Costanzo's animal yeah. magnetism, so they b- bumped uglies. And Costanzo uh, was like, perfect. Now I have this on her. Calls Sarah's boyfriend and was like, your oh. girl just slept with me. And so Sarah and her boyfriend break up and Costanzo slips in. Yeah. Um. So Sarah's just like, okay, I can do this. Like, you're very handsome and very powerful. So they start dating, but then she quickly realizes he's more into men. Mm. And so she's like, oh, that's totally fine. I'll just start being the godmother or like the head witch. Oh. Of this cult. Okay. So she was like a honor student, cheerleader by day, and then she would come across the border and do witch what? human like sacrifice. That's rituals. crazy. Yeah. yeah. Imagine sitting next to that girl in like English class. That would be nuts. Imagine being in a study group with her. Oh wow. <laughs> Imagine being in a group project and you don't do your part. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, God. Um, so they team up and they... Um... I don't know what that's like. I'm the judgmental one. It's like, <laughs> fuck these people who aren't doing their part. Why did this have to be a group project? <laughs> so you're the one doing the human sacrifices. Yes. Yes, in your head. Um, so they team up and they find a ranch and they start doing more human sacrifices. Mm-hmm. So now they have like a centralized location. Look out for people with ranches. <laughs> F- fucking ranches. Uh, so a couple months later, a member of the Hernandez family and his two-year-old son were kidnapped by rival narcotics dealers. So they turn to Costanza and they're like, bro, do your black magic, get them back. Yeah. He does a human sacrifice and lo and behold, they come back safe. Okay. Which nobody mentions this, but I feel like Costanzo kidnapped him himself. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah, feel like yeah, he yeah. had, cause he did the whole thing with the Coke He's just a, scam. He's, he's c- clever and crafty. Yeah. 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 So Costanzo is on his high horse and just starts conducting human sacrifices for any reason. So, um, many have to do with like enemy drug dealers, but he starts doing like killing his disciples. Mm-hmm. Like anytime they break rules, like he found one like snorting cocaine. He's like, well, we need a human sacrifice. Why not? Jorge. Cocaine over here. <laughs> Cocaine. Um, so, so more and more people start joining his ranks, even those who are part of the Hernandez family. And he has these disi- disciples performing daily bloodletting, and they are praying to this blood cauldron. Don't you wonder? Seems like an odd group to become a part of mm. when you know how many people are dying. And then you're like, oh, cool. Let me help, like, bloodlet this. Per- like, I. Seems like you're just digging your own grave. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, culturally, if you, like, grow up, like, thinking magic is prevalent in okay. life, and then yeah, you see, you see this, like, this family get kidnapped, and then they they come back because of the human yeah. sacrifice, you know? Um, like, they had one guy, like, he was at part of the Hernandez family, he's like, Costanza's like, I need a sacrifice. And so dude goes out and, like, in a rage, just kills this kid who's 14 years old. Turns out to be his own cousin. But he, like, was so in out of his yeah. mind. Yeah. Huh. Probably because of all the bloodletting. Yeah. <laughs> um, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so on March 13th, 1989, Costanzo sacrificed yet another victim at the ranch. But he was bent out of shape because his victim didn't scream and plead enough. So he told his goonies to fetch another victim. So they found twenty. Yeah, they found twenty-one-year-old Mark Kilroy, who was a U.S. citizen in Mexico for spring break. Mm. They kidnapped him while he was on his way home. Like he's with his buddies, yeah. leaving the bars. He goes out to go take a piss, and they never see him again. And they actually, um, when they interviewed the kidnappers, they're saying, "Yeah, we got him in the car." And then he tried to make a run for it, and we said, "Stop! We're the police!" And he stopped. No. And they got him back in the car. Yeah, and they took him to the ranch. Oh. Yeah. Um, and so this sparked a huge investigation. Like, all these kidnappings have been going on for a while, and, like, bodies being found all over Mexico. Yeah. But now that there's this U.S. citizen that had been taken, now shit's... All of a sudden... Yeah. Yeah, now it's a big deal. 
So on April 9th, returning from a Brownsville cult, uh, from Brownsville, occultist um, participant uh, Seraphine Hernandez drove past a police roadblock without stopping, ignoring the cars that set off uh, in in hot pursuit. So Hernandez believed that he was invisible. Oh yeah, and he was. seemed surprised when officers trailed him back to the ranch. He even, oh even, my God. <laughs> even so, he the, brought them back. There. He brought them back. Yeah, oh. he's like, oh, they don't see me. They still don't I'm see invisible. me. <laughs> yeah. That'll teach you to lie to people. Yeah, um, and even so, the smuggler was arrogant, inviting police to shoot him since the bullets would merely bounce off of him. Oh, yeah. Wow. So later that same day, uh, Federali started searching the Hernandez Ranch, and they turned up thirty kilos of marijuana. When one of them made a a discovery, they went over to this hut and apparently it looked ordinary at first. It had like melted candles and cigar butts. Um, but then they looked closer and that's when they found that blood cauldron. I forgot about the blood cauldron. Yeah. And it's like full of like dead animals and there's a human brain. There's a dick. (laughs) There's just a big wobbly wing. Just, Oh no. Um, <laughs> um, and so, um, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So this guy that originally went through the barricade, um, they, how big is this cauldron? Is it big? Is it like a witch? Like what I imagine? Like a, <laughs> a witch's big, cauldron? Like a, like a iron cauldron that you yeah. put over a, I mean, think about all looks this. Looks like a horrible stew. Yeah. Like there is, when you see the pictures, it's just like, which, you know, go to our Instagram. I'll post them there. Yeah. And um, there's these huge sticks sticking out of them. And it's just like, I feel like they just keep piling stuff on and it starts decaying and they just keep putting more and more. How horrible do you think it smells? Awful. Cause it's probably in the middle of summer and it's just, yeah, Ugh. it's just raunchy. Um, and so they take this guy and they, they're like, um, they find the blood cauldron, they realize what's in it, and they're like, what's going on here? And he's like, oh, I'm asking you human sacrifices. And he just starts telling them everything. And he, they're like, well, where are the bodies? And he starts digging up bodies. And he digs up, like, 15 mutilated bodies. Whoa. Yeah. Um, and so they showed him a picture of Kilroy, Mark, and they're like, have you ever seen him? He's like, oh, yeah, I kidnapped him. And um, we had him tied up here. And um, we tortured him. And then sacrificed him and so they're like well where is he buried and they went over to this marked grave that had a piece of wire sticking out of the ground okay and the other end of the wire had been attached to Kilroy's uh, spinal column so that when his body decomposed members of the cult could pull out the vertebrae to make into a necklace what yeah and when Kilroy's body was uncovered the um they noticed that his legs had been cut off above the knees, and they asked, like, why? Was this part of was this part of the ritual or something? And he's like, no, it just made it easier uh, to bury him. Yeah. And so the this next... This is m- just a straight-up Mexico murder ranch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the next morning, police return to the ranch, uh, and they discover... Um, oh, no, the brains, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it was weird because... I don't know, the investigators kind of let loose that they finally, like, found out what was yeah. happening to everybody, and all these, like, newscasters come down from the United States yeah, and from yeah, Mexico yeah. City, so people are just walking around this ranch, kicking over stuff. Destroying Destroying evidence. evidence. Why are they? Why? And they just have, there's tons of photos, there's tons like of film. This like, early 90s, late 80s? Early, uh, late 80s, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, there's one part where they're, like... American news crew went over towards like a trash can and there was like little kid shoes, but nobody showed that because they're like what that might implement, yeah. you know? So it was just, yeah, they were just all over the place. Boof. Um, a weird little fun fact. Um, <laughs> do you know Henry Lee Lucas? I know that name. He was a professor, he was like a confessed mass killer. Okay. Um, they could only tie him to, I think, 12 murders, but he said he killed over 3,000 people. Anyways, what? anyways, uh, two years before this, okay, he had drawn a map, and that map predicted, with like almost exact accuracy, the bodies of the victims of the rituals, like where they would be buried. Wait, wait, wait. Lucas, Lucas is an American serial killer. Yep. Who killed twelve that we know of, thousands according to him. Yeah. Who drew a map? 
Lucas? Lucas drew a map? So now Lucas is a black magic man? Yeah, there's some kind of tie-in that he had. Lucas draws a map. Yeah. Saying there's a murder ranch. Mm. In two years from now. Two years from now. Yeah. And this is but where it was you... going on. It was going on. It, it hadn't been announced yet. Yeah. I'll bet he knew. I'll bet he knew about this. Mur- I'll bet he went to the murder ranch. Yeah, he helped. It was in, or you know, at your murderers conventions. You're just like, oh, <laughs> I got this murder ranch. Oh, I gotta get down there sometime. <laughs> Have some. He draws a map to the murder ranch. Mm-hmm. And gives it to who? He just gives it to the police. Because I think at this point he's caught. He's in custody. Yeah, yeah. No, and they're like, all right, crazy Lucas. Hmm. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah, that's weird. Uh, so on May 2nd, thinking, um, okay, so Costanzo finds out that they find out about his murder ranch. Well, and he tells them all about it. No, no, no. Sorry. That was like a random dude. A, that was a random I one of his disciples. Costanzo. Sorry. No. I was like, he is very freely incriminating himself <laughs> no. in some very <laughs> messed up shit. No, because one of Costanzo's disciples was like driving back towards the ranch. He thinks he's invisible, invisible. thinks he can't get hit with bullets. He's the one who tells them all the stuff. And so the disciple says, like, midway... I made a jump in my brain that Costanzo was suddenly there and telling them all that stuff. (laughs) Ding! With his black magic. Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, so uh, this disciple, midway after getting caught, he's like, oh, I was in this fog, but now I'll tell you everything, and blah, blah, blah. Um, So, remember Sarah? She's, like, the mother witch. Mm Mm-hmm. So she also finds out that this is all going on, and um, she, like, writes a note, and she's like, Costanzo's in this building holding a woman hostage. Someone go find him. And, like, gives the exact address and, like, throws it out of the window to the police, like, at the okay. police station. And they were like, this is a hoax. And they yeah, don't do any- They don't do anything about it. Um, but then they get, like, a police call a couple days later from loud noises coming from this apartment. Okay. And they go there and they find Costanzo and he has an Uzi. And he starts firing at the police. And they're in this, like, huge blowout for, like, 45 minutes. Whoa. And, like... Only one a police officer. A 45-minute-long Uzi bout? Like, that's, that's crazy. That's and crazy. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Like, that street is destroyed. Yeah. Um, only one police guy was wounded during it. And um, when Costanzo uh, realized that uh, he wasn't going to escape, he had one of his other, like, cult buddies kill him and his lover. And so they, like, sit in a closet. You know, he kind of snuggles up next to him. <laughs> and uh, he's like, just kill us. And so they get shot up by their own. No way. Yeah. Because he's like, I'm not getting That's taken in by ends. police. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, a lot of them, there's 17 of them that got convicted. Um, Sarah was eventually arrested. And she. How many people living on this ranch at one time, you think? <sighs> I don't know. We got 50 people there? We got more than 50? Less than 50? I don't think 50? it's 50. Well, you got to remember, so it's Costanzo, his disciples, and... Well, the, the numbers are constantly fluctuating. Yeah, and then, well, because they're dying. Yeah. <laughs> and you have the Hernandez fam- family, the, like, drug, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, and because he saved that family, some of that family actually started joining the cult. So at first they just okay. had, like, a drug deal partnership. Mm-hmm. But Yeah. So Sarah got like sixty-eight years in prison for her involvement. This is Mama. This is Mama, Grandmama. Not like Mama Costanzo, but like oh, like the one that was in college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that is crazy. I that is new information to me. Yeah, and I didn't even go into most of the murders. They're so much more gruesome. There yeah. were so many I didn't oh, even talk about. Horrible. Yeah, yeah. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> Tequila. 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 But yeah, I had never heard of that. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. They were talking about how it kind of ties into, like, Aztec sacrifices. Like, how he was ripping out the hearts and spines. Yeah. When uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom came out. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) There's a part where he rips a dude's heart out. Yeah. Yeah. It's very scary. Uh, we watched it as we were little when we watched when it. When you were little. <laughs> <laughs> and this will tell you how little. Uh, my brother, who's a very good student, he's very smart, uh, was a very good speller. Yeah. And he gets this spelling test, goes home. It was one of those, like, if you get stuff wrong, like, your parents have to, like, see that you, and then send it back. Yeah. So there's this spelling test that gets sent home, and my mom's looking at it, and it's like, Everything is right except for one that's just completely blank. He didn't even make an attempt at the word. 
And my mom's like, what was the word? And my brother just kind of like shuts off. <laughs> and he goes, I don't want to say it. And she goes, what? You won't say the word? And he's like, it's a bad word. I don't want to say it. Oh. And she's like, why would you have a bad word on your spelling test? And he goes, toward his heart. <laughs> he was so, so upset by the heart scene <laughs> in Indiana Jones that he didn't want to say the word heart. He didn't want to write the word heart. It was traumatic. Oh, poor little guy. <laughs> It was a bad word. It was a bad word. Heart. <laughs> oh, oh, that was a traumatic movie back in the day, dude. That was that one was crazy. Yeah. Oh, I just remember all that water through those tunnels and the kids, all the kid slaves. Oh yeah. The bugs, the bugs <laughs> in the tunnel. They ate monkey brain. Oh. That one was nutty. Yeah. I think my favorite. It's hard to pick a favorite. I think I laugh hardest. At uh, Last Crusade, that the last one with yeah. Sean Connery. Yeah. Oh, when he takes his little book from Hitler, <laughs> or Hitler takes his book, yeah. it's Hitler's book, and he takes it from him and signs it. Oh, that's just clever. <laughs> that's just clever. Clever writing. No ticket. <laughs> oh, so good. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Killer Cocktails. As always, on our talent was Jackie Andrea. Uh, be sure to check out our Instagram at Killer Cocktails Podcast or stop by our website, KillerCocktailsPodcast.com, for up to date information, photos, contests, and more. Our logo was created by Michelle Firm, whose amazing art can be found at MichelleFirmDesigns.com. Use coupon code KillerCocktails, that's one word, for 15% off your entire order. Our music was created by Nikolai Heidlus, and we'll be back next week on hashtag Murder Mondays. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.